we step into weightless in mind, body, and spirit. Today's guest is Dr. Nosheen Ranjbar. I can't wait for you to meet her. And the title of this episode is Brain Health in Mind, Body, and Spirit. So this is season eight, episode six. The show is hosted by yours truly, Carol Penn, Dio. And this is an exciting 10-part series now in season eight. Do you believe it? Season eight. And it is presented by Penn Global Visions and Penn Global Medical Group and my super team of super friends and heroes as we explore the worlds of weight loss, weight loss maintenance, aging in reverse, heart health, optimizing health and well-being. Today's episode is so exciting. It is brain health and mind, body, and spirit with our special guest, Dr. Nosheen Ranjbar, as I've said earlier. And I want everybody to sit back, listen to our exciting theme music that also has a message. And then we are going to be right back and we're going to jump into today's show. Greatness, greatness. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces. Mm. It's amazing. Weightless No matter what people say You're full of greatness Time you open up your eyes You walk away Just If only they can see it Going through your paces It's amazing Weightless No matter what people say You're full of greatness Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces, it's amazing. Good morning. Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit is brought to you by Penn Global Visions, who bring you Mindset Mastery RX, Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit, an online monthly membership program where we learn to pivot in the present. But now, let's return to our host, Dr. Carol Penn, with her super friend guest. Thank you. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. It is time to meet my dear sister friend and colleague, a shiro to me, a superstar, super friend. And you know what I like to do. I like to bring our guests on camera. So while I'm reading their their bio and their accolades, you're really picking up on their energetic imprint and getting to see their amazing countenance and even being blessed by the witnessing. So let's bring this glorious human spirit on camera right now. And there she is. <laughs> There she is. So welcome. Welcome, Dr. Nosheen Ranjbar, who is an associate professor of psychiatry at the University of Arizona College of Medicine, Tucson, where she serves as division chief of child and adolescent psychiatry, training director for the Integrative Psychiatry Fellowship, and medical director of the Integrative Psychiatry Clinic. And we're going to 
unpack those terms integrative in a moment. In addition, she is also fellowship faculty with the Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine. All right. And she is also senior faculty with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, which is how we met. We're going to unpack that as well. Born and raised in Iran, she moved to the U.S. as a teen and completed both undergraduate and medical education at the University of Virginia, followed by internship in family medicine at Middlesex Hospital in Connecticut, and involvement with research at Yale University. She completed psychiatry residency at University of Arizona Child and Adolescent Psychiatry Fellowship at Boston Children's Hospital Harvard Medical School and Integrative Medicine Fellowship at the University of Arizona. Her academic interests include integrative psychiatry, physician well-being and burnout, mind-body medicine, and health disparities with focus on Native American and refugee health. She serves as a volunteer psychiatrist for evaluating asylum-seeking individuals with the Arizona Asylum Network and the Florence Project, and is active in the MIND, M-I-N-D, clinic, a free mental health clinic at the University of Arizona serving immigrant and underserved families. Don't you love her already? Let's welcome Dr. Nosheen Ranjbar, my friend, and I'm just going to call her Dr. Nosheen. Love you so much and welcome. Thank you for having me. I am thrilled beyond belief to have you. And every time I see you and, and you know, amazingly, we just had the opportunity to work together as colleagues in the national open training with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine. However, I want to go way back because you weren't always Dr. Nosheen. You were Nosheen. So how did Nosheen go from being Nosheen to being Dr. Nosheen? What's that story? Well, I'm just delighted to be sharing my story with you. So, yes, I was the little Nusheen in Tehran, Iran, growing up in, um, I think I was two years old when the Islamic Revolution happened in Iran. Um, and so I grew up in this new era of, um, you know, restrictions and prohibitions and, you um, not a lot of women doctors, for sure. <laughs> and so, um, but I do um, really go back in my impetus for becoming a physician uh, to my mom. Uh, you know, they say the mothers are the first teachers of every little child. Um, hopefully the fathers too, right along with them. <laughs> uh, but um, my mom um, suffered from multiple autoimmune conditions as, um, as a young woman. Uh, she had been a radiation, uh, radiology technician, and they didn't use proper um, x-ray protection back then. And so she had been um, exposed to a lot of radiation. And so after she gave birth to me, she came down with multiple autoimmune conditions in addition to all the adverse childhood experiences she had had that probably contributed 
to her getting sick, but I grew up following her around on her healing journey. So, you know, one day we're going to the acupuncturist and one day we're going to the regular doctor, rheumatologist, and one day we're going to the apothecary and getting some herbs for her, you know, new regimen that she was trying or to the Ayurvedic practitioner where she was um, starting a new nutritional medicine way to help heal herself. And so I grew up both caring for her because she was so sick and it was just the two of us living together, but also getting exposed to what's out there and and what healing could look like, um, even in a society where there weren't a lot of opportunities to find you know the best and the latest science um, of what could help her. But that's where my, my early uh, dreams of either wanting to be a singer, a flight attendant, or a doctor. <laughs> so, so that's how we got to this. The first two didn't quite work out, but, uh, but the third one stuck years later. Oh, well, I tell you what, my experience of you is that you sing songs of love through your work. So I think you can put a check mark next to that. And also you help people find their wings and take flight. So I think you can put a check mark next to that too. Because I've experienced and, and and your laughter, the sound of your laughter is music to me. So I'm just going to claim all of that on your behalf, if you don't mind. And then I also think what people often want to know is, you know, how did you meet all these cool people? Dr. Carol, what's going on here? And I would like our audience to know how you and I met. It is its own love story. It is its own story about taking flight. So will you, and I'll share people the first time we did, we didn't meet in, in a traditional sense where someone said, oh, you know, Carol, I want you to meet Noshin. Noshin, I want you to meet Carol. We were actually at a training when we were participating as participants with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, drawn to the center for our own individual reasons, uh, some of which we'll highlight today because a lot of it came out of, of trauma. And Dr. Nosheen was actually on her knees and she was in tears. It was the first time that I noticed this person who is going to become such an integral part of my life's journey. So let's, let's go back to then. Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. What a memory. So I remember being in Arlington, Virginia at this uh, hotel conference center. And um, I was living in Tucson, Arizona at the time. I was a psychiatry resident at the university of Arizona. I think I was in my second year and uh, the Gabby Giffords, Congressman uh, Gabby, Gabby Giffords shooting had just happened. So this was 2011, I think it was January. And, uh, and our whole hospital had been on lockdown. Uh, Obama was being flown in to visit her. And, you know, I remember one day being stuck in the hospital. I couldn't even leave because the doors were locked. And, uh, and there was mass chaos and trauma in our city. So, you know, the people were trying to create little ceremonies and rituals to honor what had just happened. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> in my experience, I grew up um, 
during the Iran-Iraq war in Iran. So, um, so I remember like running into shelters and, and like feeling the, the trauma of not being safe. And so every time there's like another shooting, another bombing, another war going on in my adult life, in some ways I can tell my, my body kind of um, remembering what it was like to be a little girl and not feel safe. So from all of that in the backdrop, um, I was signed up to attend this training with the Center for Mind Body Medicine. And so I left my city, I flew over to Virginia, and uh, and there I was in this big room with a couple hundred people, and you were at the, I remember exactly at the, you know, one side of the room, and I was on the other side. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think it was one of those deeply touching and healing moments for me where, um, as our audience might know, you know, part of mind-body medicine is really about allowing the body to participate in the healing process and allow the movement of emotion and energy so it doesn't get stuck. So we were doing this uh, shaking and dancing um, activity. And, and I remember, I think my eyes were closed and they had this fabulous drumming music and I was shaking my body probably for the first time, you know, in a setting with 200 other people. Um, and, and then, and I realized there was this grief energy that was coming through me. Um, and I just started feeling tears, feeling not just the, the grief of what I had just left with the shooting of the Congresswoman and the unsafety of my town, but perhaps the history of grief and, and fear that, that I remembered from being a little kid and from my history, um, just moving through my body. And, and so then it was very interesting. It was very powerful. And so I, I noticed some tears and then, um, and then the second part of the activity was a song that came on and I'm trying to remember, um, uh, something like we all want peace or something. It was just a powerful music. And as soon as that started, then it was like yet another layer of of tears. But this time it was like, it was grief releasing, but it was also joy. It was like hope. It was the, it was the feeling of being in community with these 200 people that I didn't know with Dr. Carol across from the end, which I hadn't met you yet. And, uh, and many others kind of trying to work through their version of fear, trauma, wanting to feel safe, wanting to belong, wanting to have fun together. So, so that's, that was what was happening. I felt like, my gosh, I'm, I'm having layers of healing going through my mind, going through my body. And um, I don't even have to say a word. It's just happening, being in company, being with music, being with movement, and being with humans who are on similar paths, even though their backgrounds might be from all over the world, you know, most of whom I don't even know. So that's that's where I was. Yes, and you know, and it's one of those, it was almost as if someone took a snapshot and put that inside my brain because I can see that room like a picture all these years later, all these years later, you know, I, I see, uh, 
you know, our friend and teacher now, Dr. James Gordon, the founder of the Center for Mind Body Medicine. I see him standing there with the mic. I see you. I see the people in the room, and I can almost see myself, you know, in the picture, looking across and was, you know being across the room from each other and somehow being aware of that energy only to find out later that we had actually been paired in the same small group. And at that time, we did not know what was yet to come. So again, you know, powerful little triangle there going on. So I, we have such a wonderful and engaged audience. So I'm noticing a question here, allowing the body to participate in the healing process. I love the way that resonates with my being. Can you say more and give some possible examples? We're going to talk all about that, but perhaps you can, you know, give a few nuggets now and some examples of that. Yes. So, you know, one of the ways that I like to uh, understand the the relationship between the mind, the body, the, the brain, the healing process is to think about little babies <laughs> because because their bodies come into the world. Our bodies come into this world ready to to release, to learn, to play, to explore, and to heal. You know, that the incapacity to heal is inherent within each of us. Um, and there are barriers that later we have to overcome, but we come in ready to do that. And so uh, so one of the one of the stories I like to tell is that you know when the when the baby is going from a completely protected, hopefully nourishing, warm womb where everything's taken care of and there's nothing to, to do or to ask for or to hope for. And then during the birth process comes through all this screaming and, and pain and, and chaos um, into this new world. Uh, it is having to breathe for the first time and, you know, hope somebody will feed them and, you know, take care of them and make sure it's warm and all of that. And the body um, has these inherent mechanisms to release and to transform and to work through whatever that baby is feeling. So the baby screams or cries when it's sad and, and it yawns when it's tired and it you know shakes when it's um, afraid and, and it, um, you know, makes all kinds of sounds and then later learns how to play as a way to get into the environment and, and move through it. Um, and, and tears, you know, we are now learning is really one of the many mechanisms that the body uses to release uh, cortisol and stress hormones. Uh, so anyway, this little body knows how to, how to move, how to move energy, how to move um, and get its needs met in the environment. And, and so our bodies are really created through laughter, through uh, tears through play, through art, through um, movement, to to move energy. And um, there's a beautiful um, elder uh, in the Native world, uh, Lakota elder, who reminded me um, that emotion is energy in motion. And so, really, the body is continuously trying to move energy through breath through everything that we do. Um, but when we are in fear mode or trauma mode or something horrendous like the Gabby Giffords shooting happening, 
um, or something just yesterday, you know, that puts us into that place of fear and frustration and anger and, and grief, then that energy can stay stuck in the body unless we move it, unless we have support to help us move it. And so really the body can participate through movement, through shaking, through dancing, through tears, through laughter, uh, through hugs, through connection. Um, it can move uh, what is ready to be released. And sometimes we forget that and, and kind of stay, um, stay stuck. Um, so that was a moment for me at that gathering where I noticed my body was fully participating in, in this transformation of what was old grief, old sadness, old not feeling safe um, and finding it in a new way um, without even me like thinking about it. I didn't go to that training thinking, oh, I'm going to have, you know, this incredible transformative experience. But sometimes when we allow ourselves to be present, um, the body just does what it needs to do. That is so beautifully said. Thank you. So let's see if we can curate this a little bit for our audience when and let's see if we can break it down in mind body and spirit when in fact we know these things are happening simultaneously at the same time but eh, we'll give it a try see if we could tease it out so right now you cannot turn on a television listen to a podcast or engage in any type of social media without hearing something about mental health. It's gotten into the popular culture, mental health this, mental health that, and we are in fact in a global mental health crisis across professions, across cultures, across ethnicities, across economic status, you name it. We've been hit 360 with this mental health crisis. You yourself having lived through the ravages of war and the consequences and the fallout. So you've mentioned where these things were living alive in your body right now with what's happening in the Ukraine. We are seeing that and they're using that language, trauma based, the trauma the children are experiencing, the trauma the adults are experiencing and the impact on mental health. So let's start that. So when we talk about shifting in mind, body, and spirit and mind, body, medicine, as it applies to the mind, to mental health, what are we talking about? You know, the mind is a real powerful thing. Um, and it is impacted in all kinds of ways that sometimes we recognize and sometimes we don't. You know, one way I like to explain it is that, you know, back to the baby in the womb, that the brain and the nervous system uh, needs a lot of nurturance and good nutrition and good healthy relationships and good solid parenting and a good safe community so it can evolve and develop in, in the optimal way. And so those early years of life from the womb to age, you know, five, 10, up to 25 or so, uh, when the brain and the nervous system is still developing is the most important time to make sure that that 
child, that system is getting what it needs socially, spiritually, nutritionally, uh, community-wise, parenting-wise. Um, and much of the time that doesn't come to be, especially in this modern world where, you know, there is wars and shootings and poverty and, you know, all kinds of things that keep many of those little brains <laughs> to struggle, you know, with with not feeling safe, with not getting the nurturance and the nourishment that they need. And so, so when as little kids, we are finding ourselves in situations where things feel out of control, um, those we hope to care for us and, and have our back are themselves sick or unavailable or unable to, to be there for us, then, you know, those adverse childhood experiences, as we call them, over time can take a toll on not just the mind, but also the body. And so then when another hit happens, there's another war, another shooting, another, you know, divorce, another failure, another loss of a job, a breakup, those things can impact us, um, you know, adding to that earlier um, lost opportunities or, or lack of full development of our system. Um, and that can lead to illness. And some of it has genetic basis and some of it has to do with our environment and, and upbringing. And some of it has to do with the society and the community we live in and how loving and nurturing and supportive that is or how alone and isolated we feel. So all of these things are interplaying in our mental health. And I think as we are, becoming more aware of the research around mental health and the brain and the nervous system, we can't hide thinking about and talking about this anymore because it's such a, it's not just what we know intuitively from living in this life, we're actually having science back it up. So I'm delighted that it's coming into the, into the mainstream and conversations so that we, um, we isolate less and we talk about it and get help sooner. Uh, thank you so much for sharing all of what you've just shared. So for now, everyone, I'm going to ask everyone to take a nice deep breath. If you're like me, you're really enjoying the flow of this conversation and we don't want to interrupt this flow. So we are going to take a pause and then we're going to get right back to our programming after we hear from our sponsors. Well, beautiful, beautiful. So Dr. Noshim, that was the mind. And we have been interweaving this into our conversation. Let's take it into the body because I'm not sure, I, as, as one of my, a minister from my childhood, would say, are you hearing me? Are you feeling me on this? Can I get an amen? The impact that these experiences have on our body. And of course, you know, the ACE study, Adverse Childhood Event Study, has had such an impact on the science of that and the understanding of that. But so often people don't understand that we all experience trauma 
And that trauma goes into our body. We say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm not in the middle of a war, but you lost your job. Your paycheck got cut in half. You had an unmet expectation. Dr. Charles Dawson, PhD, says trauma really begins with the experience of a betrayal and the unmet expectation. So let's talk about where these betrayals go, where these microaggressions go, where these unmet expectations go, and how they land in the body. What a fascinating topic. <laughs> so, you know, the in the field that we now call psychoneuroimmunology, um, that uh, can be a much larger word because all of these fields and, and body parts are all connected to one another. Um, what we're learning is that when we have an experience say, um, you know, here I am as a little girl in the middle of a, a bombing that's going on. Uh, so the mind is affected because we go into fear mode and protection mode and what if mode, you know, what if I lose my parents? What if something bad happens? What if, what if I die or whatever? Um, and so the mind is reacting, the body is reacting. So you can watch people's body language, you know, in, in the middle of a, of a difficult situation, you know, whether they get protective or they, you know, turn and get, go away or they stop looking at, you know, people as reducing their eye contact. Um, so the mind, the body, the spirit, they're all like interacting every time there's something that is catching us in our environment that is um, different from our routines, from, from what is healthy and normal for us. And so when, when these events or traumas happen, our hormones are affected, our nervous system is affected, our brain is affected, our... Uh, ways of trying to cope are those patterns are impacted so uh, say you know for me I have a tendency to to go towards eating more during times when when I'm stressed or eating less during times that I'm stressed and so I may notice those patterns of you know going after certain foods or um, or mindlessly you know trying to to self-soothe in a way and so those patterns can, can impact our body because they impact our, our sugar metabolism. They impact, you know, how our body stores fat, for example. They impact our sleep, you know, how restful we're able to release and go to sleep at night. And because eating and sleeping and, um, and, and these activities are absolutely essential to our health and our well-being and our healing, when they're impacted, they also impact, you know, different, different parts of our body, different parts of our functioning. So it can impact our attention the next day, our ability to pay attention in class or be on top of it at our job, or we might even become more um, irritable. And, you know, someone says something and we jump at them and uh, or take it super personally, uh, even though, you know, if we were in a restful whole place inside, we'd probably let it slide or, you know, not not react to it in, in such a either um, taking it personally way or violent way to like jump at the person and, and 
you know, beat them up or whatever. So, so this is all interacting and, um, and our bodies are, are a part of it all. Um, and sometimes when these processes and these chronic responses and, um, and traumas go on and on, then you see the development of chronic diseases like diabetes, like depression, like heart disease. And it's not to say that it's like this happens and then this happens because it's uh, it's a complex world and there's so many interacting pieces. But generally, um, if we have a little bit of a genetic tendency towards something and then we have several of these stresses and traumas, especially early on in life, then over our lifetime, it can really impact us and turn into all kinds of maladies that then takes, you know, an entire healthcare system to try to address um, and not very successfully much of the time. So in other words, kind of the bottom line, the bad news is you can turn on gene expressions that can result in maladaptive responses and disease processes. However, I also hear kernel of good news in there. You can turn on also gene responses that say, oh, we're going to write a different end to this chapter. We're going to turn on the healing modality. And I'm hearing perhaps we can learn what some of those responses can be, right? Is that what I am hearing? Yes, that is the the emerging wisdom of mind-body medicine, integrative medicine, medicine, good medicine, is really to tap into that inherent mechanism that's within us, mind, body, and spirit that can promote healing no matter what we've been through. And I would say the reason I am here today and I do what I do as a psychiatrist um, is really the byproduct of allowing, being given resources to allow me to go through the healing I needed to go through and continues, you know, to be a journey um, to not be a slave, um, not be a victim to all of these early experiences that I could not control. So that brings us right up to the threshold of the spirit. What are some of the approaches that seem to free the spirit when we look through the lens of mind-body medicine? And by the way, I want to add for our audience, this is not woo-woo. This is now showing up in the scientific literature. I want to underscore that point. So when we talk about tapping into the spirit, maybe, you know, what is the spirit? And from there, how and what perhaps are some of the techniques that we know that seem to free that which we identify as the spirit? (laughs) Well, so I love that you mentioned how the science is backing so much of this up now. Um, And the reality is that human beings have found a way to connect with their inherent capacity to heal 
and work through struggles and and tap into their spirit forever and ever and ever. So we have a lot of ancient tribal indigenous wisdom to call on as we figure out how to make it work in this modern world because we don't have to like figure it all out fresh. (laughs) So, you know, I think about one of my blessings has been working with a lot of the indigenous and and native uh, American people um, over the past 10 years or so. And and some of their cultural uh, wisdom traditions um, are a great reminder of this as just about any cultural tradition is a good reminder of this, but just some examples is connecting with nature, tapping into movement and music and and allowing rhythms of nature, rhythms of sound and music, rhythms of movement to re-aliven us, to bring us back to, to feeling our bodies, to feeling our heartbeat to feeling our um, most precious parts of us that can come alive with memories, with with beauty, with song, with with dance. Um, And so I think of, you know, all the tribal traditions that helped keep dance and movement and music and connection to nature alive for for the Indigenous American people. Uh, Same thing with with the African people, the the drumming, the dance, the movement, the connection to nature, um, eating healthy food, you know, uh, taking care of our body with what we put into our bodies, pay, uh, taking care of ourselves by what we give our spirit and our mind. So, you know, what company we keep, what kinds of programs we watch, what, um, what type of meditative activities we do to calm our system. Um, And so those are all feeding us in different ways and it can look a thousand different ways depending on what moves us and what community we come from and what, you know, what roots we have. But there are so many different ways to connect, whether it's through religion or spirituality or music or movement or or nature um, to reconnect to ourselves. Oh, I love what you are sharing about all of that, particularly that you bring in the connection to nature and how healing that is and how that seems to speak to that spiritual, innate spiritual nature of the human being. So, ah, yes. And the wisdom traditions across so many cultures that go back and highlight that connection. Right now, I've been doing a lot of reading about the concept of regenerative leadership. And in a nutshell, it talks about, you know, what's good for the people, what's good for the planet, and having those two things merge as we go forward and we think about new paradigms for what it means to lead in a pandemic-laden world. I won't use that term post-pandemic because we got several pandemics that are going on, but it seems that, you know, we're, we're living large in a world where everything is having global impact. So it's not just climate change in one area, it's climate change all over the globe. It's not just you know, a COVID outbreak in one area, it's a COVID outbreak 
across the globe. So, you know, thank you for putting that in and thank you for clarifying in mind, body and spirit. And now what is Dr. Nosheen doing to nurture herself in mind, body and spirit? Uh, well, it looks differently, different times of my life and different phases I go through. Um, I would say that one of the most incredible developments over the past year in my mind, body, spirit um, reconnection and health has been reconnecting more and more with my own roots culturally. Uh, so over the past year, I've started to support uh, people in Iran and Farsi-speaking people uh, from Afghanistan and Iran to go through mind-body trainings. And that has opened up this entire world of connection with people that I have, you know, left behind 33 years ago now when I left Iran. And I didn't realize up until this past year how much uh, benefit, how much nurturance, how much joy there can be in being, being given the gift of reconnecting with one's roots and one's culture. Um, and the many layers of gifts, things I'm reminded of, things that are sources of strength that I had forgotten about because I was so busy going to medical school and, you know, helping so many people and um, making through one challenge after another. Uh, so reconnection with, with roots has been the medicine for me um, most recently. Greetings. I hope you're enjoying the show brought to you by Penn Global Visions. Our monthly membership program, Mindset Mastery Rx, Weightless and Mind, Body, and Spirit, will enhance your wellness toolkit to assist you with pivoting in the times that we are in and has seats available. If you'd like to get more information, please send an email to info at drcarolpin.com. That's info, I-N-F-O, at D-R-C-A-R-O-L-P-E-N-N.com, or if you'd like to register, go to our registration link shown below. Thank you again for coming to the show today, but let's return to our host with her super friend guest, Dr. Carol Penn. Thank you. And we just have a very few minutes left. So integrative psychiatry, we heard all about that at the beginning in your bio. I would like people to understand what is integrative psychiatry? Uh, psychiatry. What does that mean? How is it different than traditional psychiatry? Well, so uh, briefly, uh, integrative medicine, um, and in the case of psychiatry, integrative psychiatry, is trying to bring wholeness back to these fields. So in psychiatry, uh, historically, we were either way on the extreme of psychoanalysis as the only thing we had to offer to people, to the way other extreme of biological psychiatry, where it's all about, you know, you have this, take this pill, and you have this, take this pill, to really bringing back to the field into encompassing all of the factors that contribute to our illnesses and our health and resiliency, and all the different appropriate measures to help bring about the healing process. So integrative psychiatry can look at both looking at the 
the causal roots of somebody's anxiety or depression or insomnia or ADHD, for example. And while it does that, it can also look at all the different tools that for a given person from a given culture, different belief system can help that person regain health, whether it be nutritionally or through different mind-body practices, different types of therapies, um, through movement, through music, through supplements, uh, looking at the nutritional factors that go into brain health. And so an integrative psychiatrist is trained in the most up-to-date evidence for all of these different factors so that they can help create an individualized plan for this given person, given who they are, both their strengths and their struggles and what they're open to and would like to explore that is best for them given given where they're at in this moment. And finally, I know we're not gonna solve this one right now. However, you know, we know that there is a national health shortage and mental health professionals across many aspects of the profession. And yet there is a big need. And we also have the whole issue of stigma attached to mental health, mental health issues, mental health behaviors. So in a nutshell, if someone is struggling or we notice that someone in our lives in is struggling, do you recommend that we reach out and call a hotline or have them call a hotline? And I know this is, you know, this is not the complete answer, but it can be, you know, that, that little toehold in that could help someone. Or do you have another recommendation? Absolutely. You know, I think it takes a village to take care of us all. <laughs> Each of us needs a village. And so the hotline is one of those resources. So when things get to a point where we have no idea what to do and perhaps don't have access to a therapist, a psychiatrist, a whole team of you know people to support us, it can be a good first start to not feel alone and to have someone else validate what we're struggling with and give us some resources. Um, it's not gonna be the end all be all, but there were times in my life when when I needed, you know, uh, someone to be able to hold on to, someone to be able to reach out to for that moment. And that can open the doors to the next thing and the next thing. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's all we have time for. and. This has been a masterclass. You've shared so many things that people can do in mind, body, and spirit. Oh, I think it reflects, you know, again, the deeper dive, the ongoing work, the journey that you and I are on as colleagues and friends. I'm so grateful for you, Dr. Nosheen. So grateful for your work, the generosity of your spirit. And I hope that you will let me and our listeners know that you'll join us again in another conversation. I would be absolutely delighted. Thank you, Dr. Carol, my dear friend and colleague. You are so welcome. I'm going to ask Kenny to play us out, hang out and meet us in the green room in a few moments. And we will see everybody next Sunday for our next exciting conversation on weightless and mind, body and spirit with Dr. Carol Penn. Kenny, take it away. Weightless, weightless.
greatness. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. Greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces. It's amazing. Weightless. Weightless.